Nahoa School presents Choosing Our Path, a talk by Adida Cohen on the Kabbalah as taught by Rabbi Hudalev Ashlag. Rabbi Hudalev Ashlag, the Bala Sulam, teaches that the spiritual worlds don't operate with space and time as this world does. This is how he opens his commentary on the great work of the Ari, the Talmud Esahasvirot. We need to remember that the whole of the wisdom of the Kabbalah is based on spiritual matters that do not occupy place or time. Furthermore, absence or exchange plays no part in them, such that all the changes that are described in this wisdom do not imply that the first state disappears as it acquires another form, but that the stated change is only an additional form and the first state is left intact. It sounds a little bit like modern physics. So I wonder what impact this information has on my life. The answer is surprising. Rabbi Ashlag teaches us that all the souls, together with all the creation, originate in the Ain Sof, the level of the infinite. The infinite is composed of infinite light, which is an emanation of the light of God from his very essence. This light having the desire to give goodness to all the created beings, and therefore instantly created the other component of the infinite, the vessel, the origin of all created beings, called the Malchut. Although this sounds like a beginning, in fact, at the very moment of creation, all was finished in perfect harmony. These are Rabbi Ashlag's words, taken from the introduction to the Zohar. At the very moment that God had the thought to create the souls, his thoughts completed creation instantly, God having no need of physical action as we do. Immediately, all the souls, together with all the worlds, emerged, filled with all the goodness, delight and tenderness that God planned for them, in the same complete and total perfection that the souls are destined to receive at the end of the healing time, the end of the tikkun. This will come about when the will to receive that is within the souls has received all its healing to completion and transformed into pure giving in total affinity of form with the Creator. In the eternity of God, the past, present and future function as one. Likewise, the Holy Zohar, the central book of the Kabbalah says, At the time when the Holy Blessed One wanted to create the world, his will arose before him and portrayed all the future souls that were to be given subsequently to humankind. All of them were portrayed before him in the actual form that they would finally attain in the children of man, and he saw each and every one. So our question is, what is the final attainment of the souls that is already existing in the end self? Rabbi Ashlag tells us, it is the very same affinity of form with God destined to be revealed in the future at the end of the Tikkun, the rectification that appeared in God's eternity. This means that although in this world, which has the default consciousness of the will to receive ourselves alone, our corrected form of the will to receive, which is the Tikkun of the creation, the rectification of creation, has already arrived in the present of the Ain Sof. It was concerning this that the sages said, before the world was created, he, 
and his name are one. He being the light, his name referring to the vessel or the will to receive, and one meaning affinity of form. So we see that there are two principles of being which exist side by side. One, the souls in the Ain Sof, which exist in all their perfection, and two, the reality of the difficulties, the separation from God, which occurs because of our will to receive for ourselves alone in this world. Here is how Rabbi Ashlag explains this in the Talmud Esas Firot. All the worlds and all the souls that there are and that will be created in the future, with all that happens to them until the complete Tikkun, are already included in all their glory and in complete fulfilment in the end self, in such a way that we may discern two general principles in the reality which is before us. The first principle is the modality wherein the world and the souls are permanent, existing in the end self, whole and in all their glory. The second principle is the modality in which the world and the souls are arrayed, evolve and are renewed in the created worlds. So we see that at the same time that we're going through the difficulties and troubles of this world, we already exist in our perfect perfection in the ain't self. We see that these two states exist in parallel. Yet are these two states destined to run in parallel with no connection between them? No. The connection lies in the third state of the soul's being. This is the state the souls attain after completing their work in this world of transforming their will to receive for themselves alone into the will to give in actual practice. The introduction to the Zohar teaches The third state is the completion of the healing of the souls and of the bodies which are the will to receive. And then the receiving itself comes under the influence of pure giving and the souls become fit to receive all the good, the delight and the pleasantness implied in the thought of creation. They are in affinity of form with their creator and thus achieved vekut. Rabbi Ashla goes on to tell us something remarkable. When we look at these three states of soul, the state where they are in the Ein Sof, the state that they are in this world, and the state at the end of the Tikkun, we see that the existence of every one of them implies the existence of each of the others with total certainty. If you could imagine any aspect of one of these states of the soul not existing, then none of these states could exist. For example, the final state of the soul represents the complete transformation of receiving into the form of receiving only for the sake of giving benefit. We will reach that in actual practice when we complete our work in our second state. However, this third, completed state, yet to come in the future, functions as the present within the eternity of God. Our first, original state of the soul, in the Ein Sof, is like a copy taken from the future yet to come in the eternal present of the Ein Sof. This has enormous implications for us. First, all is well, and all is very well. No matter what the state of the world looks like, or what our own state looks like, 
we can indeed have hope because the ultimate transformation of the world and indeed of every one of us to the consciousness of love is guaranteed. It already exists. This thought must give us hope and a smile even when things look fraught. Secondly, because we have to arrive at the third state of being in actual practice, nothing can be left out of work in our second state, the state of our travails in this world. This is a tougher one to swallow. Since we can't heal what we don't have within us to heal, we do have to face that we have been given our, our negative tendencies and try to deal with them. I find this information helps me face my faults, knowing that it's work that I've been given to do, rather than deny them. It also helps me realise that my nearest and dearest, who have their faults too, are dealing with their own issues as their second stage work. Although we are indeed perfect in the Ain Self, in this world we've been given the work of dealing with the will to receive ourselves alone so we can come to our perfection in actual practice. If we didn't have this work to do, we wouldn't be able to actually manifest our third state, which would be our perfection in actual practice. But the sages asked a good question. They wanted to know, if God wanted to give the souls all the good, then why didn't he just give it straight to the souls there and then in the first stage in the Ain Self, instead of having us go through all these hardships of our second stage of being? The answer lies in a parable. The sages tell us, imagine, you have a rich man comes to the marketplace. He sees a poor man. He asks the poor man what he needs. At first, the poor man tells him he needs money for the rent, he needs money for food for his family, and the rich man gives it to him. But then, however, he goes on. He gives the poor man a new flat, a car, a holiday abroad. He presses on him more and more. What does the poor man feel like now? At the beginning, when his basic needs were urgent, he may have been glad to receive, but now he feels ashamed and embarrassed. He does not want to receive for nothing. In the language of the Kabbalah, this is termed eating the bread of shame. Ultimately, he wants to be a giver like the rich man. We, the souls who stem from the vessel of creation, want to be like our root. We want to be like the light from which we spring. We want to be giving unconditionally, just as the light gives unconditionally. We want to have earned our right to receive and come to the wonderful state of receiving only for the sake of giving pleasure to the light, giving pleasure to our Creator through our own work. We don't want to have received for nothing. So this is our choice. We can examine the issue of our choice a little bit further. If our destiny is already assured, where is our choice in this? The sages teach us that whilst our destiny is certain, our choice lies in the path we choose to take us there. There are two paths, the path of conscious choice, using the wisdom given to us in the Torah and putting into practice the mitzvot for the sake of giving benefit to God. Since these mitzvot oppose our wills to receive for ourselves alone, this takes us forward along the path. The other choice open to us is the path of suffering. Suffering also opposes our will to receive for ourselves alone. We do not choose the path of suffering as a conscious choice. No one chooses the path of suffering willfully. But 
It is a choice we make in our subconscious if we don't take the conscious steps we know we should take in our lives. We can look at this in terms of a garden. Imagine you've been given a plot of land. If you take the trouble to plant nice plants in it, you'll have a lovely garden. But if you don't plant anything in it, the chances are you will end up with weeds and brambles. Does the person choose a garden with weeds and brambles? No, but by not making the positive choices, he leaves the ground open for the negative to spring up. Likewise, by not making the positive choices in our lives, we do leave ourselves open to the path of suffering. So tread the path we must. But here lies our choice. Which way shall we take? However we choose, and however hard the path, let us remember and allow the thought to enlighten our days that the end, the end in which all our desires will be fulfilled for good is already assured. This audio recording is brought to you from the Horus School, established by Yadida Cohen for the study of the Kabbalah as taught by Rabbi Yehudalev Ashlag. Studies with Yadida Cohen are available through the Horus School online. Details at www.nahoraschool.com or www.nahorapress.com.